Now, it's like the movie Inception. You've seen that movie? But instead of a dream within a dream within a dream and maybe within a dream, instead of dreams, we have emotions. So emotions within emotions within emotions all going on at the same time. And it begins at the exact moment when you realize you've just been robbed. Anyone ever have, ever had their house broken into? A few years ago, Gloria and I were coming home, and all of those emotions within emotions began to uh, build up as soon as we realized and noticed that there was something wrong with the front door. Oh, no. And then these emotions continue to build, right, one on top of the other. As you make your way in, you begin to realize some of the things that are gone, and, of course, the bigger things are what you notice first, right? The TV's gone. Oh, man. Why, Lord? Why? Why couldn't you have taken the toaster, right? <laughs> DVD player's gone. Uh, back then it was our VCR. Y'all remember VCRs? <laughs> and, you, and you notice the big things like that. But then again, those mo- emotions begin to build and build on top of each other again as you begin to realize other things besides those big things that have been taken. And, and, and then it starts becoming more and more apparent that they didn't just take big things. They took a lot of little things, too. And my goodness, they've been all through the house. And at the same time, you've got all these emotions. At one time, you feel kind of angry, right? That Why would somebody do this to you? Now i got to go out and find money to buy a new TV, buy a new this, and do everything like that. At the same time, you almost feel kind of nervous because then you wonder, well, have these people been watching me? they know when I wasn't going to be home? Are they still here right now? They might be kind of disappointed that, man, somebody would even want to do this to anybody. Still kind of scared and fearful. But even in the midst of all that, maybe you're a little bit relieved because then you find out, well, they didn't get some of the more meaningful stuff. At least they didn't do that. If you ever had your house broken into or had an experience like that, I think then you might be able to understand a little how Mary Magdalene felt that first Easter morning. Boy, you talk about emotions. She has had a very emotional day. She has just had to watch her teacher, maybe even her friend, publicly humiliated publicly accused of some very wrongdoing. And she has had to watch helplessly as he is nailed to a cross and left there to die. And she's even watched him die. Now, maybe you've experienced the loss of a loved one, and you know how you feel? You don't really even feel like eating. You feel kind of lost, confused. You're kind of in shock. You, you, you want to know if this is real ever felt like that, I think you can understand Mary, because I imagine she felt all of those things as well. Now, by John's account of the gospel, Joseph and Nicodemus had already prepared Jesus' body for burial. It says that Nicodemus came and brought a hundred pounds of oil. Talk about being ready. So, at least according to John, we're not quite sure why she is there so early in the morning. Maybe she came to do another ritual, something that she had to do. 
Or maybe she came to say her final goodbyes. Maybe she came to say her final farewells or to give her last bit of honor to her teacher and to her friend. But then she notices something. Something's not right about the front door. Of course, this isn't just any door. This was the door to her teacher's grave. The door was a stone. And maybe we don't realize how final that stone was, but when we say things like, well, he stuck a nail into the coffin, right? That's supposed to communicate a finality that you there's no turning back now. Well, the nails in the coffin for Mary and the other disciples was that huge rock in front of the tomb. But as Mary comes around, she first notices that rock is not where it used to be. And what is missing is something beyond measure. The body of Jesus. They have taken the Lord. We do not know where they have laid him. That's what she tells the other disciples. That's what she tells the two angels that she sees. You see, we think of that empty tomb at first. We say, hallelujah, he's risen. And amen to that, that's fine. But for her, that's not what she saw. Her very first thought was, we've been robbed. They've taken his body. And we don't know what they've done with it. You talk about emotion on top of emotion for her now. Perhaps this was her last chance to say goodbye or her last chance to honor him. And in her mind at this very moment, someone has robbed her of that chance. Now, I'm willing to say, based on my experience in the church, that many of us know exactly how she felt that morning. Sure, some of us know what it means to have our house robbed, but I'm talking about how some of us feel how life has robbed us. You know, maybe that job's been taken away from us out of nowhere. Maybe that marriage is dissolved. That love that someone had for us is apparently no more. A parent watches their child grow up nothing like the way they were raised. Violence strikes very close to home and on and on. And on. And we feel like in so many ways we've been robbed. Just like Mary felt. God, it's not fair. God, why is this happening to me? God, why do I have to go through that? God, what is the point of this? God, are you even there listening to me? Many of us know what that feels like. I'm sure. Now, Mary's wide array of emotions finally gets the best of her. After the disciples run to the tomb to go make sure what she's talking about, they go home, but Mary stays behind. And as she sits and stands outside of the tomb, she begins to weep. She didn't begin to cry, John says. She begins to weep. I think John means that word. I think he means it because of the anguish that she feels the pain and the turmoil that she's experiencing inside herself, but I think he's also showing us something else. That empty tomb, which for, today, for us today is a great sign of God's power and love, remained for her right then and there, a place of mourning 
and despair. And to be sure, we are at the tomb. In just these few verses that we read and we realized or paid attention or heard, John uses the word tomb like nine or ten times. The tomb, the tomb, the tomb, the tomb, the tomb, the tomb. Do y'all know where we're at? We're at the tomb. And I think that's appropriate because as far as Mary's concerned, as far as the other disciples are concerned, that's where their mission is. That's where the mission of Jesus is. It's in the tomb. <laughs> and we don't even know where he is. And all is lost. Now, of course, neither Mary nor the other disciples understood anything about what had happened. <laughs> and I think we know what that feels like, too, don't we? In the middle of our own trouble, it's hard to make sense of what's going on around us. It's hard to see the larger picture when the paintbrush of life is just slapping paint all over us. It's hard to see the forest through the trees when a tree is just falling on top of us. So they didn't understand. And quite frankly, many times we don't understand either. But I don't think that we can read about Mary Magdalene weeping outside of the tomb without thinking of another story that John has already told us. In fact, I don't think John wants us to read this 20th chapter without remembering someone else who wept outside of a tomb. Do you remember that story? Some guy named Jesus and his friend Lazarus. Jesus loved his friend Lazarus. And so when Lazarus died while his family watched, as they mourned with each other, Jesus came and saw that. And as he watched, he began to weep as well. Weep for his love for Lazarus and his love for the people there. Now, of course, John tells us that Jesus knew a little bit something extra that was going to happen to Lazarus in the story. But do you remember as Jesus came close to the tomb, he told the people to do something. Do you remember what he told them to do? Take away the stone. I think John wants us to remember that story. It's the only other time the stone is mentioned in John. Now, I think there's a whole lot that can be said about the story of Lazarus and, of course, about the Easter story. But for us this morning, there's a couple things I want us to just hold on to our faith like never before. Today, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord this Sunday... I think there are a couple things that just have to move us in powerful ways. And the first is this. In both cases, with the story of Lazarus and the story in chapter 20, Christ demonstrated power over death. Jesus asked the people at Lazarus' tomb to move the stone. Maybe he was tired. Maybe he didn't feel like it. Maybe he wanted them to be participants, get a little work in. But he asked them to move the stone. But now, in his own tomb, he does it himself. Now, maybe it's because he knows how hard it is to get people here early in the morning. <laughs> Just saying. But he did it himself. And at Lazarus' death, and at his own death, Jesus had power over death. Y'all with me? That's the first thing. The second thing is this. 
Where there are tears, there is hope. Where there are tears, there is hope. Jesus wept because of his love for Lazarus and his family. Mary wept because of the love she had for Jesus. And in both cases, those tears led to hope. Friends, you need to realize that because we often stand at the tombs of our own life as well. And not necessarily our death, but those places where we feel like we've been robbed. Those places we feel like there is nothing else past this. Those places like we feel like this is final and there's nothing worth living for after this. We all stand in our own tombs at one point. And quite often, those emotions build and they build and they build. And all we can do is stand outside the tomb and weep. But friends, we can know that Christ stands with us. Perhaps Christ is weeping with us as well. But more importantly, we know that God brings hope. I don't know what your tomb is right now. Maybe it's the same tomb you brought with you last year or last Sunday. Maybe it's a new tomb that just came up out of nowhere. These things that we feel like just suck the life away from us. Friends, those are our tombs. As we stand there, let me remind you that as long as Jesus is risen, there is hope. In the name of the risen Lord, sisters and brothers, there is hope. So we need to pray. Because sometimes those tombs feel very final. God gives us hope. So if you want that hope, and if you want to live more faithful to God, I invite you to pray with me now. God of life, we are here by your calling. We understand that you have brought us here to this place. And God... For those times that we have denied your power, denied your love, and lived outside of your grace, to the best of our ability, God, we ask that you forgive us. We also ask, God, that today would be a new day for us as we are reminded of the hope that you bring to us. God, as we stand outside of our tombs weeping over the things that burden us, over the things that would distract us from doing your work, over the things that keep us from having the joy you want us to have, God, bring to us new hope and new life. In Jesus' name.